The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Closing Bell in Progress. Fed Chair Jay Powell, first in-person news conference from the Fed in two years. First half a point rate hike that we have seen since back in 2000, also announcing plans to trim the $9 trillion balance sheet. Boy, what a rally. Take a look at the stock market turned on the Fed chair's comments and kept going higher. We're now at session highs where the Dow's up more than 700 points. S&P 500 up 2.4 percent. The Nasdaq up two and a half percent. Everything rallying. Treasuries are also rallying. Yields are coming down and the dollar is weaker. The takeaway there He wasn't as hawkish as maybe some had feared, and he ruled out the 75 basis point hike. That was the question from Steve Leisman. We'll talk to him in a moment. But if the market was thinking that that was coming next, he really said more 50s are on the table. Check out the most actively traded names here at the New York Stock Exchange as we enter this final hour of trade right now. Uber down 4 percent. Earnings. Ahead of the bell, uh, after the bell, AT&T, NEO, and Ford continue to be among the most actively traded names every day here. Joining me at Post 9 for some instant Fed reaction, former National Economic Council director and former Goldman Sachs president, Gary Cohn. Always good to have you on a Fed day. What, what, what a rally. So it was baked in. Yeah, I, I think it was baked in. I think the chairman, like, drove it right down the middle of the road. He didn't hit either guardrail. He said exactly what people probably would have hoped he said. He gave pretty good um, information on the balance sheet. You know, I think people are priced in the rate side of the equation. What they're worried about now, and I think what people are starting to talk about, is the quantitative part of the equation. We've gone from QE, we're going to QT. Um, And I think the the chairman very obviously told us how they're starting, where they're starting. They're going to ease in and they're going to expand, and we're going to the number that we were told he was going to. He even laid out, you know, how they were going to do it, what securities they were going to sell. And the market likes that. You know, the market has been trained to have transparency, and we got transparency. He has this new forward guidance where he is very open about what he's going to do, and it gets priced into the market. And then we have a relief rally like this. thought it was interesting that he opened the news conference with an address to the American people. Inflation is too high. We get it. He used the word attentive a number of times and he used the word expeditious a number of times in terms of how many rate hikes we're going to see to try to correct it. Yeah, he opened up talking inflation's too high, labor market's tight. He talked about the PC being six and a half percent. He talked about without food and food and uh, energy, it being five point two percent. And then he used the new word adapting. We're adapting. Well, because Uh, their view on inflation has totally changed. We're adapting. So I thought that was very interesting in his prepared remarks. He came out and talked about adapting. We have a Fed that is now adapting to the new inflationary stance that we live in. So what does it mean? We'll get another 50 basis point hike? So, look, he he also mentioned, if you listen clearly, he said two 50s. I think he admitted to two 50s. Sir, I think if you take a step back mm-hmm. and you look where we are, I think we have five Fed meetings left the rest of the year. There, there's no August and no October uh, Fed meetings. He admitted two already. I think most people think Fed funds end the year around 3%. So that's probably conventional wisdom right now. That's where the market has it priced in. That would most likely mean we would have three 50s and two 25s. We don't necessarily have to have the three 50s in a row. 
Um, so we, he, he, the, the chairman already told you it looks like 250s for the next two meetings. Uh, the next two meetings, June and July. Then we take a break. We actually have August off. So when we come back in September, 25. The, the chair will, will look, he'll have a lot of data between now and September. So if things are starting to moderate, inflation's starting to moderate, um, he's, he's um, having his effect on demand, which the chair also admitted, he can't deal with the supply side, he can deal with the demand side. If he's, ha yeah, if he's having the, the outcome effect he wants on demand, then he's got optionality when he comes to September. If he's not having the effect, September could be another 50, and then you could have November, December be 25s. So I think yeah. he's, he's laid out sort of the roadmap for the, 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 uh, the next two rate hikes being 50s. So what does it mean, Gary, for the markets? Because stocks are zooming here mm. and, and bonds are rallying. The curve is steepening. The two's 10 steepening. It, it all makes sense. It's priced in. But, but do you see a potential for more of a rally beyond today on this idea that the bond market just got too hawkish? Look, Sarah, I think a lot of people have priced all this in. And the fact that the chair came out he acknowledged where they were. He reconfirmed they're behind the curve. He said we're adapting. We're going to do what we have to do. We're no longer talking. He didn't mention the 8 or 11 increases that you mentioned last meeting. He's now talking about 50s. I think the market's starting to say, OK, we've got this pretty well priced in. I don't think there's a lot of surprises out there. We've taken a lot of the um, fluff out of the market. We've taken a lot of the hot air out of the market. The excesses. We've taken Howard the excesses. A lot, yeah, the excesses have been removed. Good word. We've taken a lot of the excesses out. We've now got some real value. So the stock market today is reflecting some of those values, some of those asset prices that have been beaten down. And the rate market had already moved. You know, we already saw 10-year rates more than double. We've already seen, you know, two-year rates more than quadruple. And, and so we've had the movement. The market has put the movement into, the, in, into rates already. And, and the market's sort of getting a vote of confidence that they're right where they've got things priced. And it's probably not going to get much worse than that. And so that tends to lead market practitioners to say, OK, we sort of understand the outcome. And we maybe have a little bit more predictability today than we did last week. And we like predictability, and therefore we are willing to put a little bit more risk on the balance. And I think also even hawkish Powell isn't too hawkish. Could be more hawkish. Every sector is higher right now, by the way. Dow's up 700, more than 700 points. Every Dow stock is higher. Gary, stay with us. We do want to bring in our senior economics reporter, Steve Leisman, who was part of that news conference, Steve, and I thought asked the money question, which turned the market, about consideration of a 75 basis point hike. Yeah, it was the question to ask, and I was lucky to have it to be asked, being up early in the roster there. But I think what's really important, and I think I just heard the tail end of what Gary was first saying when I came here. I, I think Gary has this right. Here's the deal. Uh, 50 is the new 25, and 75 is the new bell-bottom jeans. And I mean that by, uh, it sounds like 50 is the new base case. And I think that's what Gary was saying, essentially. He said, well, you know what? Let's listen to what he actually said. And let's listen very carefully to what he says at the very end here. We'll come back and talk about it on the other side. We need to really see uh, that our expectation is being fulfilled, that inflation, in fact, is under control and starting to come down. Uh, but I, again, it, it's not like we would stop. We would just go back to 25 basis point increases. It'll be, it'll be a judgment call when when these meetings arrive. But my, again, our expectation is if we see what we expect to see, then we would have 50 basis point increases on the table at the next two meetings. 
the next two meetings. That's what he said. So that's so here's what the market is so excited about. It's kind of interesting. Uh, the market w- had priced in 450s uh, before this meeting. It got one of those 50s now, so call it 350s, and one of those possibly a 75s. Now it has 250s for sure, and now he's taking 75 off the table. I don't know how great, but it's interesting to me, Sarah, how incredibly yeah. uh, discomforted the market was from the idea that a 75 was hanging out there and how comforted it is that the 75 was off the table, but instead there's 250s for sure now. Well, pretty much for sure. I agree. I, I agree. I, I was surprised at how far the market went, I guess, Steve, at pricing in a 75 basis yeah. point hike. Because it's not like any, I mean, you talked to Bullard about it. It wasn't even his base case. And he's the most hawkish one out there right now. That's what started all the nonsense, you know. I, I, <laughs> and, and I don't even, you're right. Jim didn't make a strong case for it. I think Jim was simply not taking it off the table. He said 75 basis points is out. It's possible, but it's not my base case. Mary Daly said 25, 50, 75. We'll debate it. And then what happened is Master the chairman no came way. in and put the hammer on that discussion. He, he came in and he put, he put the hammer on. He said 75 is not on, not going to happen. And I think, to, to, to be fair here, Sarah, the idea for the market that there are some rules or some restrictions around how much the Fed might make the market digest every month, I can understand how that's comforting. If the whole thing was random, that's, I think, what scares the market. Now I think they have an idea of the, of, of the, projected, of the trajectory of the, of the Fed funds rate for the next at least couple meetings. Make a new highs here of the day, up 775 on the Dow. Steve Leisman, thank you very much. The question, Gary, is, is it going to be enough? Sarah, the, the other thing I'll point out, is we had a unanimous vote. True. Remember, a month ago, we did not have a sense. unanimous vote. So what Steve's saying, and, and, and we're, we're agreeing, is we got to 50. And there seems to be universal consensus in the room that 50 is a good number. The chairman said 50 for the next two meetings. So, you know, now we're, we're, there's unanimity in the room. Well, so and there, it's and a there, big difference than dissenting votes. In that soundbite, also, what you heard was, if anything, we move from 50 to 25. We don't move from right. 50 to 75. A, a, exactly. And that's very not hawkish. Yeah. I, I guess my question, though, is, is it going to be enough? If we have not seen the highs of inflation, he mentioned all of these new shocks that we're seeing from Ukraine, from China, which was now mentioned in the statement right. for the first time. Are they going to be able to get a handle on it? Well, I, I think the chairman also admitted something that everyone knows. They can deal with the demand side with interest rates. They can't deal with the supply side. So to the extent that we continue to have an oil shock, and I said a month ago, I'm not You're worried, worried as food. much oil is yeah. oil as I am food. Yeah. I'm worried about food. I'm worried about grains. I'm worried about the agricultural products. The oil's out there. We can get it if we need to get it. The grain market is the one that scares me. And we're just now in crucial parts of the grain market. We're in certain harvesting seasons for winter wheat. We're in planting seasons. And they're not going as well as we'd like them to go for drought conditions, other weather conditions around the world, and war conditions. So you can't plant, plant crops in Ukraine in the middle of the war, and there's nothing the Fed can do about that. That's absolutely true. Yeah. And, and look, I think the chair acknowledged that as well. If we're seeing some of these inflation numbers, and he, and he went out of his way to quote the, the ex-food and energy inflation number, they realize they can't deal with the food, the food and energy number. They're going to deal with the core numbers. What he can tamp down is some of the wage inflation. And look, yesterday we saw the JOLTS data. We saw 11.6 million job openings. We saw 4.6 uh, 4. million quits, quits, which is, you know, the quits number to me is almost more interesting. It's a series high. People don't quit a job unless they're going to get another job at a higher, price, at a higher wage, and they're confident they're going to get that other job. So, meaning the Fed is going to 
it's going to be tricky for them to bring this. Look, Are you saying that inflation is entrenched? It's not easy. Look, this is not easy. No one should think what, what Chairman Powell is trying to do is easy. He's trying to soft land an economy. They are behind the curve. They're not out in front of it. It would have been a lot easier had when we seen the beginnings of inflation, which, look, they thought it was supply chain issues. They thought it was pandemic related. No more transitory talk. We thought, I, I, didn't, I didn't say the word transitory. I refuse to say that. They thought it Dirty was supply word. chain issues. They thought it was pandemic issues. They thought it was restarting the U.S. economy and it would come out of the system. Not a totally irrational thought. This was real demand. This was real, um, uh, uh, real economic factors at work here. So they're behind the curve. And so they've got to figure out how to get there. The, way, the, the, the piece that he can control, and he admitted it, he can control the wage growth by tamping down economic growth. That's where he has to go. So what is that going to look like? And is it going to lead us into recession? Because that, that is also the question that the market's been trying to figure out. So where we are today... And you and I just heard this over the last two days at Milken. Yes. You know, corporate America. Both, both the overnight flights back. Right, exactly. <laughs> corporate America feels good. You know, if you talk to anyone in a consumer-facing business, they'll tell you business is good. Business is robust. Maybe people are trading down a little bit in product, but business is still good. Sales is very good. You look at corporate investment and capital investment, it's still very good. People are out spending money. We just talked about job creation. Job creation is here. So look, for the foreseeable future, which I will call between now and maybe the end of the year in economic terms, the economy looks pretty strong. Going into next year, it's harder and harder to predict because we've got the Fed raising interest rates. We've got the Fed starting to liquidate their balance sheet, which I think people should spend more time thinking about what that means. Not only are we going from a buyer of securities, we're, we're stopping buying, we're, going to, we're flipping it around and being a seller of someone's securities. Someone's got to buy those treasuries. So someone's got to buy those yeah. treasuries. So look, we may end up in a recession. I, I, look, I do know something. At some point in our lives together, we're going to see a recession Thanks. again. I guarantee you we're going to see a recession. So we have to look forward. It doesn't feel like we're there now, but we could get there. But it, 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 there's a lot of positive factors as well. The good news is we're starting with a lot of positive momentum. True. I just want to point out what's happening in the market because it is a broad-based rally and it's picking up steam as we go into the close. Very strong. The Dow's up 2.5%. Every Dow stock is higher right now. Home Depot is the biggest contributor. Again, that's where some of the pain has been. Consumer discretionary, housing-related. Goldman Sachs, your old firm, also contributing to the Dow rally a lot. Honeywell, 3M, IBM. It's, it is broad-based. Look at the S&P 500. Every sector higher. Energy's in the lead, up 3.5%. It was higher all day long on this EU proposal to, to cut off Russian oil and gas. But the financials have joined the party big time. Utilities, industrials, healthcare, staples, materials, consumer discretionary. Tech's having a solid day right now. The Nasdaq 100 is up 3%. And that's, that's really where the, the brunt of the pain has been on higher interest rates. Would you buy would you buy Netflix right now, down 70% this year? Look, it's not what I do for a living. I don't buy single stocks. I'm just saying, some of the beaten down parts of the market where valuations have really corrected, like tech, yeah. appealing, now it, that we know from Powell that what the plan is, and so it's already in the market? When I, when I was here a month ago, I, I talked about multiples. We had to see a contraction in multiples. When, when, the, when the Fed is throwing the party, and they're, they're throwing money all over, and money is easy, you know, money has to go somewhere, so multiples expand it. And we saw multiples really expand when the Fed's tightening and they're taking liquidity out of the system. Multiples naturally have to contract. The question is, 
did the market contract the multiples enough? That's what I'm asking you. To buy it right now. <laughs> you know, it, it feels like we've clearly gotten there, but I'm not smart enough to say absolutely we've gotten sure. there. You know, put, j- jump in. You know, I, it's not what I do for a living. What about bonds, though? W- would you be a buyer of bonds here on the fact that they got pretty stretched also on the downside? Ten-year reached three percent yesterday. Yeah. You know, we, look, it, it looks like you're getting some return here. You're getting some more return. But we've seen very orderly moves in the credit spread markets. So, you know, when you look at what's going on in investment grade and you look at what's going on in high yield, we have not seen really volatile markets or irrational markets. We've seen those credit spreads move, you know, in very, very orderly fashion. We've not seen massive widening in credit spreads. So the credit markets have behaved very orderly. So, you know, there's opportunity there. You're you're definitely getting a much higher rate of return to buy a high yield bond today than you were three months ago. Um, so, so there seems like there are opportunities in, in some of those markets. That doesn't mean that, that the underlying yields can't go higher. You know, I, I think that, that the chairman made it pretty clear. We're, we're going to do 250s. We're going to take August off. We'll come back in September and we'll see. If we need to do another 50 in September, we'll do it. If not, our next uh, muscle memory is to go back to 25. Finally, Gary, there, there's a lot up 900 on, on the Dow. It's all you. No, you, you, just kidding. It's, it's all Chair, you. Chair Powell uh, speaking, turn the market around and it has just continued to climb to new heights up 900 now on the Dow, almost 3 percent. So really a relief rally yeah. m- more than anything. I'm, I'm watching IBM over my shoulder up five dollars and 11 cents. Come on. <laughs> Gary, uh, vice chair of IBM, should note. But, but here wearing another hat today. A lot of talk about neutral. We're going to hear about neutral. Neutral. What, what is what is neutral? What is the significance of it? And, and should the Fed be? telegraphing some sort of neutral rate? And should the market be worrying about going above neutral into restrictive? Explain these words. You, know, you and I have talked about <laughs> neutral a lot. You know, neutral is one of these concepts that, you know, if, if I could make it disappear, I'd make it disappear. I'm not, like sure the, I'm not sure the Fed might make it disappear if they could wave a magic wand. You know, this, this miraculous rate where we're not contracting, we're not growing the economy, and it's miraculously neutral today. Is it the same rate tomorrow? Was it the same rate yesterday? You know, it's, it, it, it's a hypothetical place where we're basically at a standstill. Um, it's a nice concept, and I'm sure we can pass through it for a millisecond, but I'm not Whatever sure we is. can stay there. It's, a, it's a, a, a place that we can stay and say, look, our target is to be neutral, and we're going to stay here for a long period Really of time. quickly, because you have such a good feel on the markets. It, does the Fed still, he was asked if he, if he worries about his credibility. He addressed the American public. We, are, we understand inflation. We know it's painful. They were late, as you said. Do they still have credibility when it comes to this fight? Well, look, I think the opening prepared remarks clearly had to do with the fact that he, the, the chair, is trying to assure the American public about their credibility, that they're on top of the situation, that we should feel confident that they can attack inflation, that he was trying to be sympathetic, that he feels people's pain when they're holding down the gas nozzle and you know, it's becoming a, a triple-digit number to fill up your gas tank. So I think the chair tried to appeal to the public today, which was, was, was a good idea. Um, I think the jury's still out on the credibility. You know, he's late, but doesn't mean the story, the, the last chapter of the story has been written. If he miraculously lands this relatively softly, or if he, if he even lands it not hard, I think he will have credibility. And he, I think he went a long way today of telling you, I've got, 50, I've got 250s lined up, I've got some time off, and we're prepared to do more. And, and so, look, he's going to need things to go well. 
you know, he, he's in, as you said, I'm in control of demand. I'm not in control of the supply side. And yeah, that's where a lot of volatility is right now. Gary Cohn, thank you very much for the time and the analysis. Come back soon. we got to talk about the midterms uh, and this new outlook. Meantime, Dow just roaring here, up almost 900 points. Technology also on a tear. Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Tesla leading the triple Qs. Coming up in the market zone, Uber and Lyft both sitting out this sharp rally on the back of earnings. We'll tell you what Lyft's president is asking from investors as his stock loses a third of its value today. Plus, we'll talk exclusively to CBS CEO Karen Lynch about her better-than-expected results and guidance. And do not miss Double Line CEO Jeffrey Gunlock, his reaction to the Fed and the market rally. That's going to be at 4 p.m. on Closing Bell Overtime. We'll be right back. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. We are now in the closing bell market zone. CNBC senior markets commentator Mike Santoli here to break down these crucial moments of the trading day. Plus, CVS Health CEO Karen Lynch on her company's earnings this morning and Jeffrey's chief market strategist David Zervis on the Fed. Markets near session highs. Take a look at this rally after the Fed just raised rates by 50 basis points. It was a double. They announced plans to start trimming their balance sheet. But, Mike, I guess it could have been worse and more hawkish because the market was very relieved to hear that the Fed is not considering 75 basis points, which would be a triple hike. And Fed Chair Powell really laid out a pretty clear roadmap that was already there. What do you make of the reaction? Exactly. And we were somewhat spring-loaded. I mean, the market we've been talking about for a while was pretty bared up, and investors were going around collecting new things to worry about. And that included the possibility that the Fed was going to be even more full steam ahead, wanting to keep that 75 basis point potential for a hike out there, and essentially being interested in breaking things as opposed to just trying to get back to normal. So given the, the position we started in, it seems as if we just sort of triggered that same reaction we had in the past two Fed meetings. We went into all of them at the correction lows, January, late January and mid-March. Uh, and then once we cleared away the actual fact of the meeting, uh, and in, la- in the last case, the rate hike, we did spring higher. Now, where have we gotten to? The S&P 500 has essentially just burned up a bunch of the oversold conditions at 4,300 or so. That's where we closed last Thursday. So there's work to be done, and I think there's a lot of people who said, let's not get too negative. Now the interesting part happens. Are we still trapped in this you know, real narrow range up to 4,400, or can there be a little bit more lift to it as we clear this uh, uncertainty away? And I'm just looking. Everything's rallying right now. It's very broad-based, Mike. But if you look at what's working best, yes, energy. We, we saw higher oil prices on on more concerns out of Russia, Ukraine, and Europe, but also communication services and technology. Those are your two best performing sectors. NASDAQ 100 jumping 
about three percent, more than that, three and a quarter percent right now. Yeah. Just just the most beaten down names. Yeah, the beach balls that were held the furthest underwater have popped the most. And if you want to go look at the lower quality, super trashed sectors of the market, they are flying as well. That's normal. That's the way it happens when you basically go uh, from a deeply oversold spot and then finally get a little bit of relief in buying power. A lot of the selling had sort of dried up coming into the last couple of days. People were talking about volumes were light, uh, but it just there was no conviction on the buy side. So this was enough, I guess to get people to say, maybe we can try again and see if we get another one of those, you know, five, seven, 10% rallies, which is what happened in, after January and March. But also note that Treasury yields are falling and the dollar is weakening, both relieving some pressure on those hard hit areas as well. Want to hit some individual names. Shares of CVS climbing today after reporting earnings this morning. The company beat estimates, also raised its guidance for the full year. CVS also reported increased demand for prescriptions but demand for COVID vaccines and testings declined. Joining us now for a CNBC exclusive interview with CBS Health CEO and President Karen Lynch. Karen, it's great to see you. First, talk about the raising of guidance and what gave you confidence to do that. We haven't seen it too much this earnings season, given the Hi, uncertain Sarah. outlook right now. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. Very nice to see you. You know, first of all, I would say that, you know, we had very strong revenue growth, 11 percent. We grew earnings, uh, our EPS of over eight and a half percent. Every single one of our businesses performed, uh, you know, had very strong performance. And, you know, clearly this is our strategy in action. We rolled out a strategy in December. We're making very strong and meaningful progress. And we're meeting consumer demands across every single one of our businesses. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. What about the COVID factor, though? How, how do you calculate? It's, it's obviously been, been very helpful, and the retail sales were strong, prescriptions. But with the vaccines and the testing demand, how do you forecast what that's going to do to the rest of your business for the rest of the year and into next? Yeah, so, Sarah, obviously uh, what we've learned with COVID is most unpredictable um, you know, uh, variant that we've seen. Uh, what we've predicted is that uh, testing, uh, you know, we'll, con we'll continue to see testing, but we'll continue to see a decline in testing. Uh, we factored in the uh, fourth booster, but we'll continue to see a decline. But we've got uh, we've got strong performance across every single one of our businesses. We're having good um, good results from our front store. We're seeing you know we've taken script share uh, eight quarters in a row. Our uh, healthcare business has performed quite strong. We're you know benefiting from our strong revenue growth in Medicare Advantage, and we had the strongest mm -hmm. selling season um, you know for the first quarter in our pharmacy business. So solid results all around. 
What about inflation, Karen? Topic du jour. Just, just heard from Fed Chair Jay Powell. They're focused on it. How is it impacting you? Every, everything from the drugstore business to the prescriptions to the to insurance. Where is it showing up the most, and, and how are you coping with it? Well, it, it's interesting because it shows up across each of our businesses very differently. In healthcare, inflation will have an increase in premiums. We'll offset some of that for, through uh, the change in interest rates. We have a strong bond portfolio. Um, so as we're selling off bonds, we recognize the realized capital losses, but we'll see gains over time in that portfolio um, at, at the, as those higher interest rates kick in. in. In our pharmacy services business, we haven't seen a big impact. All the brand inflation, generic inflation within our uh, ex- expectations. And then in our retail business, we've had very strong um, pricing power. Uh, we have alternatives um, through our store brands and our subscription program are offsetting some of the impacts of inflation for our customers. Quickly, Karen, just, just in light of what, what happened yesterday, the leak of the document from the Supreme Court on potentially overturning Roe v. Wade and, and some of the moves we've seen from states like Texas to crack down on abortions, I'm curious in your insurance business what you're seeing from companies, whether, whether they're making moves and adjustments to cover abortions out of state and, and to make reproductive care more accessible, even in the last 24 hours. What are you seeing? Yeah, so Sarah, uh, we've been talking to our customers for a long period of time. Um, you know, they've been uh, interested in, um, you know, what opportunities they have in benefit designs. We're working very closely with them on the choices that they want to make uh, relative to their benefit designs. You know, and we'll work with them in making sure that we administer uh, those plan designs in accordance with applicable law. And, uh, you know, every day we're having those conversations uh, with customers. And uh, you know, we, we've uh, seen an increase in the conversations today. Yes, I, I would expect that companies are doing that. Karen, thank you for the color. Great to talk to you on earnings. Thank you, Karen Lynch, CEO of CVS Health, which is jumping 5%, along with the broader market, which is sharply higher right now. Top investor Bill Gurley from VC firm Benchmark was on Tech Check earlier today. Here's what he had to say about sky-high valuations. Listen. When you have a fraudly world and everything trades on price to revenue multiples, um, people, you know, talk about all kinds of numbers and they don't talk about the bottom line. So you have a ton of, you know, this adjusted that, you know, and, and people want, you know, real earnings. They want real free cash flow now. And so all these companies that have lived in this, you know, high froth environment for the past decade, um, they kind of have to readjust. And I think the sooner they do it, the better. Question, Mike, have we started to see that from some of these newly public companies and and other sort of frothier parts of the market where they are more focused on things like cash flow and profitability, given the market's complete mood mood shift here that Gurley talked about? Yeah, I would say that the peak in buy it at any price based on, you know, high sales multiples and the total addressable market and forget about profitability. That's probably 15 months ago was the peak. So we've obviously uh, had a lot of those types of stocks crash. The IPO market's basically been closed uh, for a few months right now, especially to those type of high growth companies. To me, the interesting question is if that psychology uh, pervades 
the private market, private companies, what is it going to mean for the pipeline of spending, which goes into things like Facebook ads to build brands for startup companies? I think that's the big question for investors right now is exactly what the, the profit trail that goes from indiscriminate spending of venture capital money without an eye to profitability toward the profits of existing large companies that we that we now try to place a multiple on. Session high is up 3% right now on the S&P. We've been showing you the Dow tick for tick up 950 points right now as we head into the close. Take a look at the ride sharing companies though. Uber and Lyft not in the celebration under heavy pressure today. Uber reporting a narrower than expected loss and a revenue beat. The company also says it won't have to offer significant incentives to maintain its driver base, which is at a post-pandemic high. Meantime, Lyft Shares plunging there, down a third of, a, of, the, of the company. On weak guidance, warning it will have to continue spending on those driver incentives. Lyft president John Zimmer weighing in on the stock sell-off this morning on Squawk Box. Listen. It's a choppy, uh, choppy market environment right now uh, as a whole. Uh, and and the, market, the market wants to understand the business model coming out of the pandemic. Uh, and, and we asked, asked them to, to give us one more quarter to, to make investments that we feel like are, are the right thing to do for long-term profitability. Not giving them the benefit of the doubt today, Deirdre Bosa joins us. Uber says it doesn't need to spend significantly on driver incentives, but with Lyft continuing to spend, will Uber eventually have to? Is that why it's down today as well? Yeah, that's. I think that's exactly why, Sarah. I think the market doesn't really believe Uber, when they say that they're going to get to free cash flow, they're going to get to a better measure of profitability. If their biggest competitor is going to be spending on driver incentives, that is going to change the balance once again. So will Uber have to continue to invest? I did speak to CEO Dara Khazar Shahi earlier, and I said, what makes you so confident that this is the right strategy, that you're not maybe giving up your lead to your competitor? He says that he's confident in the super app strategy. So they're getting drivers and couriers from the delivery side, from the ride share side. We'll have to see how that plays out. But to what you and Mike were talking about in reaction to that Bill Gurley thought that you just ran, um, these companies are well aware that they need to start showing a better measure of profitability. It used to be adjusted EBITDA. They've hit that. Now they're talking about free cash flow in the case of Uber. So we'll see when they get there. But right now, I think based on what the stocks are doing, the market doesn't buy it. So just to be clear, Deirdre, not a problem with demand, right? Certainly not not from Lyft. Didn't seem like it from Uber. People are going out again. It's it's all around this driver shortage issue and what they're going to have to do to fight it. Is yeah. that the big issue? I mean, Lyft is near pre-pandemic levels. I believe Uber is there. So demand isn't the problem. They're, you know, cautiously optimistic that this year is going to be better than last based on what happens uh, with future COVID trends. Um, but it is the driver supply. Yes, many of them left. We are in a tight labor market. This is the independent contractor model, which they say employees like because it gives them flexibility. But we haven't really seen that in a big way because they are having trouble getting drivers back on the platform. So, yes, Sarah, that is the problem. Deirdre Bosa, Deirdre, thank you. And do not miss a CNBC interview with Uber CEO Dara Khosrowshahi tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. on Squawk Box. Stocks are surging. The Dow is up 960 points here into the close. David Zervos. Wouldn't be a Fed day without him, the chief market strategist at Jefferies. What a reaction to Fed Chair Powell. You think it was the, the fact that he, that he ruled out that 75 basis point hike and confirmed market expectations? I think that's a part of it, Sarah, but I think it's just we now know. We now know what we're dealing with over the summer. We've got 250s pretty much locked in. We know what 
uh, an aggressive policy response to this inflation outcome looks like. And a lot of us didn't know exactly what that was. The committee had to debate that. They debated it. They came up with a unanimous decision. I think that's important. There's not a lot of dissents. Uh, they're going to go pretty strong, but the market was pricing in the risk of something stronger. And, you know, Sarah, just not to get too ahead of ourselves, this is exactly where we were Thursday, Friday last week in terms of S&Ps, the dollar, and a lot of other indices that we would look at for financial conditions. So um, I think the market just saw the beginning of this week and got a little bit nervous that it could get more aggressive, especially after last FOMC meeting when they delivered a very hawkish S&P relative to market expectations. So I just think it's a standard relief rally to a Fed that is not as panicky as some might have feared. And I think that's important. Well, also big reaction in bonds. Yields came below that 3% on the 10-year yield, a big, a big bounce there. Bull steepening in the, in the yield curve. The dollar's weakening. Even the Japanese yen is strengthening. Pa- Powell yes. basically did it all. Um, investment implications, though, beyond this just reaction in the near term. I mean, we're going to get hit pretty hard with monetary uh, accommodation removal. The, the risk was we were going to get hit harder. So it was just a question of how hard he was going to punch. And the punch wasn't as severe as feared. That doesn't mean that he can't up the ante as we go through the summer and the inflation data don't uh, cooperate. We all will be waiting to see that. I think the other thing about his press conference that was important, Sarah, is he is so focused on the inflation. He's not talking about any serious cracks in growth or the labor market or the housing market. So you really, really need to see this inflation come down and come down in a relatively, uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but in a calculated and and continuous way. Otherwise, he's going to have to change course a little bit. So it's a reprieve. There's no question we get a little bit of a a springtime reprieve from a less than aggressive J than we had feared. But generally speaking, I think we should all be on the lookout for for something that's more aggressive in the future, not a an immediate pullback and say, oh, all is clear. We, we nailed this. It's good, even if the inflation data come out OK over the well, next two also, also, to your point and the fact that he was so serious, you know, speaking to the American public about inflation and the duties that they have, I, I do wonder if that, you know, if there is a policy mistake, it's more in, in the camp of recession than in letting inflation stay too high for too long. And they're, and they're willing to tolerate that. So, David, that seems to me to be a big risk for stocks beyond, I, I, beyond today and maybe the near term. Yeah, I'm with you, Sarah. I, I think they're going to err on the side of really pushing inflation back into a hole. Um, even if we get good numbers, I think they're going to still remain cautious. There was a point in the conference where, or the press conference where someone asked him about fiscal policy and he made an off the cuff remark about how, let me just figure out my job, which is getting inflation down here. And then I'll t- be able to give some advice on sure. fiscal policy. I think there's a bit of, you know, there's, there's a bit of self-deprecation going on, a bit of, you know, soul searching going on that just says, hey, we got to get this done. They're hoping that this is enough. The market priced in a little bit more. They gave them a little bit less. It feels good today. We're only back to where we were last week, which is still down 10% on the year. I wouldn't get too overly excited about some runaway in risk assets here. That's my take. Mike, what does the, where does the market on, on the notion of a soft landing and whether he can pull it off? Well, first of all, I don't think the market is presuming a hard landing, because if that were the case, we'd be a good deal lower. That would mean uh, a recession. That would mean the lot lower earnings that we're now contemplating. So I think there's some decent probability assigned to some version of a soft landing. Um, there's always scares along the way, whether you get to the soft landing 
or not. Uh, so I think it's going to just take it in bits, not necessarily try to project, you know, nine months ahead to say where this all ends up. And I think for now it's palatable given all the risks we've already discounted uh, at the moment. Also, another piece of it that the market seemed to you know, grab onto from the press conferences. Jay Powell said the obvious thing, which is their forward guidance has had a lot of effect. It's priced into the market a lot. So we're already kind of there in terms of, you know, the known tightening trajectory for the moment. So, David, would you be buying tech stocks? Nasdaq's still down about 17 percent this year. Sounds like you're not fully convinced. Yeah, not really. I, I, look, I think we could have a nice little bounce here. Maybe we go back up another 100 points in the S&P and, and you know, your short-term views are you maybe you sell around that. But I think this is a covered call kind of year. That's how we've set it up from the beginning of the year. I don't see the big runaway upside. I, I'm kind of coming to grips with the idea that the runaway downside isn't there either. And maybe that's all what the VIX is starting mm. to price in today coming down so hard. But um, I think the upside is going to get pushed very hard against by the Fed. They're going to use that as an opportunity to be more hawkish and get inflation down faster. But when they see the S&P down 13 to 14, the NASDAQ down 23 yep. to 25, they probably don't want to push as hard. Um, they don't want to create anything too messy. Maybe that's what, what we started to see. S&P now bit. down 9.8% for the year. David Zervos, thank you for your first reaction from Jeffries. Really quickly, Mike, what are you seeing in the internals? Oh, it's, it's positive. I mean, obviously, it had a big kind of buying binge once we did get clear of the uh, of the Fed meeting. You see there uh, 4 billion shares advancing to half a billion declining. So basically, very comprehensive. Banks versus energy over the past six months diverged, right? This measures why when inflation became a threat to growth and credit as opposed to just being a good thing and now both curling up. That's a slight net positive for the moment. The VIX getting crushed down to 25. It was 36 a couple of days ago. So that's another good spike in the chart. Uh, market trying to stabilize here. The VIX futures are back uh, in an orderly uh, direction as well, Sarah. As we go into the close, a 3% gain for the S&P 500. What a reaction to Fed Chair Jay Powell. The Dow is up 935 points right now, just about at the session highs. Every sector is higher. Every Dow stock is higher. Energy leading the way. Communication services, technology, and materials are your three best performing sectors. You've got names like Apple, Microsoft, Tesla, Meta, Alphabet, NVIDIA leading the NASDAQ right now, which is going to go out with a gain of 3.2%. That's it for me on a crazy Fed day for closing bell. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.